a lot of people who get into drugs or other such addictions, most of them are basically running away from solving real life problems that's in front of us. Mm -hmm. All of us do, right? None of us want to face any problems. But some people find some other alternatives, either through drinking mm -hmm. or uh, taking other stuff that give them temporary relief. Mm -hmm. They feel better for now. But the thing is, the longer they do that, the deeper the hole they dig for themselves. Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Jason. If you like this content, please remember to subscribe. Today with me is Bebe. Hey, that was short. <laughs> Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. While addiction to drugs, smoking, and alcohol take lives in nations around the world, new research from scientific journal PLOS One reiterates a 2018 study. Exercise reduces dependency on addiction and decreases depressive symptoms. Can simply moving alleviate cravings for alcohol, smoking, and serious drugs? What do you think, baby? Oh, so we're talking about something really serious today. I don't know. It could just be quitting smoking cigarettes, you know. Like, that is, I guess, that's serious. A lot of people have lost loved ones to tobacco. That's true. So I don't yeah. know much about addiction. Mm-hmm. Pretty much nothing. You're not addicted to tea or something? I like coffee. I like tea. Mm. But I can survive without them. If I quit cold, stop drinking coffee, I'll have a headache within one or two days. Really? Oh, uh -huh. no, no, I'm not like that. I just yeah. think they taste good. Mm. You know, the thought about coffee, I think that's a nice thought. Mm. Uh, that's about it. Mm. And exercise. You know, I've heard of that thing. People keep talking about this thing called exercise. <laughs> so I don't know much about that either. You know you're supposed to get two and a half hours of exercise a week, right? Does walking count? Yes, walking I, totally counts. Okay, yeah, yeah, well, I walk a bit. I live on the second floor, so I go downstairs to go out. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's like 15 seconds yeah, every trip. <laughs> yeah, I move around my place. That's exercise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I get frustrated with having to go out. So, I mean, I'll be like, oh, it's been like three days since I went for a walk. So I'll go for an hour walk. Mm. I, I'm or I try to get my 10,000 steps. I probably get them like four or five days out of the week. Mm -hmm. That's good. I do get my 10,000 steps by walking around deliberately or I work in the building. And uh, on instead of every two or three hours getting like a snack or going and smoking with some people do, I walk around the lobby mm. in circles for about a thousand steps. They'll be like, oh, look at that anxious American. Yeah, yeah because <laughs> walking around again. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Not the only one doing it. Everyone else is just like standing around talking or something. And like, there goes Jason again. <laughs> Circling, looking for something. So this news, <laughs> making this connection between exercise and addiction, I mean, moderate amount of exercise is good for many, many things, right? When I was doing research, yeah, yeah. I tried to search for why we shouldn't exercise. I really want some scientific support. Okay, as said, why shouldn't one exercise? What? And I didn't get a lot of answers. <laughs> Only you, baby. And there's this one article that started with, like, why shouldn't we exercise? I was so excited. The reasons why you shouldn't exercise. Mm -hmm. And I opened it up. Wow. It was like 100 words. <laughs> It was like wow. not much content. Was this a medical doctor or just like some guy named Joe who's just had enough? This is from wholelifechallenge.com. And there's a video, but my computer is not playing it. Maybe that's where the content is. But it says here, wow. the first reason is most people don't actually like to exercise. I was mm. like, okay, <laughs> that sounds like a decent reason. I think that you get those hyper gym people who are like, yeah, exercising is my world. And then the other 95% of the world is like, really? I might have to feel so much better. So anyhow, tell us, Jason, how do exercise, all forms of exercise, help with uh, drug addiction? Well, why were you interested in this, first of all? Well, firstly, it was trending. So I, that was one of the reasons I, I would like to talk about things that are pertinent to what's going on. But I mean, for me, I, you're right. I'm not addicted to anything. I don't I even smoke. I don't drink alcohol. Mm -hmm. But I do drink coffee. That's not really why... Because coffee is really good for you, actually. I mean, that's my opinion. Moderate amount. Yeah, I'm not a medical doctor. For, for right, I'm not a professional. Mm -hmm. You know, if you need medical help, seek out you know professional care from a professional medical doctor. But even tons, actually, the more brewed coffee you drink, actually, the better it is for you. It's an antioxidant. But 
that's not really what I was thinking. I kind of have an eating disorder, you know? I can't stop eating sometimes. What do you mean? Well, you're skinny as a rail and I'm not. So I was thinking, oh, maybe exercise is a good way to get me to curb my appetite. Maybe if I exercise more, then I won't be as interested in eating as much. But then I tried it after I read some of these articles and then I'm just like really hungry. <laughs> no, no, no. It doesn't help at all. I had actual experience. I probably told you about this. I signed up for this like Pilates class. This was like shortly after my daughter was born, maybe like within the year. Mm-hmm. And I was like just irrational. Mm-hmm. It was totally irrational. Mm. And so my coworkers were talking about this. I was like, Pilates? What is that? This sounds like stretching something. I didn't even know what it was, but I, you know, I signed up and it was expensive. And I went for like once and twice. Oh, then this is so not for me. This actually hurts. <laughs> I mean, like when we went in, it was like a personal trainer. So it was one-on-one. When I went in, the previous person who came to work out didn't finish yet. So the coach was like, okay, so you go on that machine. It was like, what do you call it? Eclipse something. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was um, like. I know what you're talking about. I don't know what you call it. It's like a moderate amount of, you know, like running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, so you go on there for like 10 minutes. I was like, 10 minutes? Are you kidding me? That's like my, the amount of exercise I get for the whole week. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that was just the warm up. It was a lot of hard work. And for that month, I gained so much weight. Really? Like the speed of me gaining weight was phenomenal. Wow. It had never happened before. I had to like buy new pants. <laughs> Can I give everyone who's listening a bit of a tip? Because I actually do know about this. I'm just, for me, going to the gym is about um not enough, having enough time. I have so many things going on. I don't have time to prioritize going to the gym, but I actually don't mind going. Mm-hmm. And cardio, while it does burn a lot of calories, it doesn't burn as much calories as weight training. So I know that this is a really complicated topic and I don't want to go into it too much because I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not, you know, a kinesiology specialist or whatever. But if you lift weights, even if it's moderate weight, you know, it's not super heavy. We're not telling you to like push, you know, be that bit huge guy with like the bald head who's always yelling at other people. I mean, for maybe a very slender lady like you, get a five or a 10 or a 15 pound dumbbell and just do some curls and stuff here and there. There are some forms that are bad and some forms that are good. Using the correct form, if you use that kind of stuff, don't, not only do you burn calories, more calories when you're doing cardio, but you're also building muscle mass. That built muscle mass does equate to calorie burning when you're not working out. So you build a bunch of muscle which is not that much, actually. A lot of people are scared they're going to be giant. You're not going to be giant. It takes years to become giant. Yeah, those people go to the gym an hour, two hours a day, like six days a week for five or 10 years to look like that. You're not going to look like that. So if just do a little bit of weight training, you actually build your metabolism up and burn calories better. But that's my problem. My metabolism is too fast. Even like on normal days, I burn off calories. So the reason why I gained weight, I found out was I was eating like much more. I was absorbing things better. I think like because I eat, you know, I eat, I used to eat a lot more. Yeah, I was eating more and I was absorbing better because I think one of the reasons why I don't gain weight as much is because I don't absorb very well, both the good and bad. After I exercise, I think everything just went in my system. You know, (laughs) I was just puffing up. So every time I left the studio, the coach will be like, don't eat so much. He will be yelling at the top of his voice. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> okay, so anyhow, that's one side of side effect from exercising. I'm going to try the baby approach. Don't exercise at all. Maybe my calories won't be absorbed. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. I think it's different for different people and a different, you know, like seek out, you know, if you really do want to get in a better shape and use exercise in that way, I think you should probably seek professional trainer, maybe one with a kinesiology degree or a master's degree in kinesiology or a medical doctor. But, you know, for our purposes, we just want to talk mainly about drugs. So we're talking about tobacco, alcohol, and, you know, other forms of drugs, which are a huge problem in the United States specifically. So this is from www. SAMHSA.gov. So it is a government website. This is under the subtitle Drug Use and Substance Use Disorder. And I can't believe this. 12 or older in 2021, 61.2 million people used illicit drugs in the past year. So it's insane. Nearly 22% of the population. 
That's like one fifth. Uh, one in five Americans over the age of 12 are using, it says illicit. I think it means illegal. So illegal drugs, which, you know, marijuana, cocaine, all these other, I guess there are a lot of fentanyl and other kinds of drugs people are doing. I'm not even sure, like, I haven't been there. I don't even know what all these things are called anymore. But this is a serious problem for America where people are dying of overdoses and people ha are, you know, losing their jobs. They're losing their family members. They're becoming addicted to other things like alcohol. And then you have a global problem of nicotine addiction. So one of the questions that scientists have been posing is, how can we help people who are trying to quit have better outcomes, have better, more successful outcomes when they are, in fact, trying to quit using these illicit substances? Wow. And so CNN.com, this is April 26th, had an, this is based on a study by PLOS1. Mm -hmm. Adding exercise into treatment may reduce substance use study shows. So for people, if you, a loved one, are trying to quit using illicit substances like alcohol, tobacco, or more serious drugs, I don't know if that's more serious because those ones kill people too. But if you have an addiction problem, maybe jogging every morning for 10 minutes or going for an hour walk every day actually could help you quit that addiction. My thinking is if someone is has the habit of, say, getting up early in the morning and go for a run, he or she probably would not have the other problems that we mentioned. Because I don't think the other like drug problems, they're not isolated problems. How do people get into problems like that in the first place? I mean, the one thing I can think of is, you know, losing human connection. Because I think a lot of people think of it as science. Here are some of my thoughts when it comes to drug addiction. I think it's, we can't really look at it as an isolated issue, just as a, almost like a medical problem. It's more about a social problem. First of all, like about family connection or social connection. If humans are better connected in general, like families are, spend more time together when there's more support for especially for younger people, right, who are always a bit lost. Okay. And then, you know, neighbors, families, coworkers, if people were better connected, I think there is a less need for mm -hmm. people to find comfort from other things. And also, I think I read it in, I think it was in Road Less Traveled by Dr. Scott Pack, that a lot of people who get into drugs or other such addictions are, most of them are basically running away from solving real life problems that's in front of us. Mm -hmm. All of us do, right? None of us want to face any problems. You know, we don't, none of us want to head on and just, you know, go head on and solve our issues. But some people find some other alternatives, either through drinking mm -hmm. or uh, taking other stuff that give them temporary relief. Mm -hmm. They feel better for now. But the thing is, the longer they do that, the bigger the deeper the hole they dig for themselves. Mm -hmm. And the problem they face in real lives are still not solved. So, of course, in the book, Dr. Peck mm. basically tell us that we have to start facing our own problems in real lives. Everyone has to. Everyone goes through it. The more you delay it and uh, the further you, away, you get away from it, the bigger the hole it gets. And you have to dig yourself out of that later. And also from, I think it was another book called The Body Keeps a Score. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's such a wonderful book packed with information. Mm -hmm. I think it was from this book that I read. They did a lot of experiments on people who are addicted to certain drugs. And some of the people in this experiment were veterans, like war veterans, who because of their injuries had used, you know, some form of drugs. And but they found that not all of them become addicted. Mm -hmm. The ones who had a lot of emotional support, you know, who came back to family and friends who loved them and supported them, had a much easier time to come off those drugs. And for some of them, it wasn't even an issue. Like it was just a drug they used for pain or for other form of purely medical reason. But for people who did not have that emotional support, you know, who came back, mm -hmm. who was alone yeah. and did not have a way of letting their pent up emotions out, a way of communicating with other people. It was so much harder for them to come off yeah. from those drugs. I mean, sometimes if you think about the case in China where the social net and family net, it's a lot thicker in a way that people just don't fall through the cracks as easily because someone is there for you. You know, your parents, if you, let's say if here, mm -hmm. I can't even imagine anybody 
you know, around me taking drugs because you can't even get them. It's not part of our life here. But if someone, let's say small child starts smoking, the family would notice, right, right away. You smell like a cigarette. You know, what happened? And then someone will be there to tell them, you know, this is not good for you. Someone stops them at the early stage. So they go, it doesn't get even worse. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Well, have you noticed the new campaign against cigarettes in China? Uh, not really. Well, I go out in the world, so... <laughs> Hey, thanks, Jason. I was on the subway recently. You know how they have the little TVs every so far? Mm -hmm. Well, they have new TV ad. I want to kind of describe it, what happens. There's a guy, just a regular guy, Uh, and he's like got a pack of cigarettes, and he keeps trying to open this pack of cigarettes to smoke. uh And in each instance, he realizes he's in a place that he shouldn't smoke. Or people are pointing out that this is not an appropriate place to smoke. Mm -hmm. So at one time, he's in the mall hiding around the corner, and someone points out, hey. You can't smoke here. There's kids over there or he's outside of like a school or he's there. He's in front of like, you know, so he's in all these locations where he shouldn't smoke. Uh. By the end of it, he's just like, oh, this is frustrating. And he gets rid of his pack of cigarettes. Uh. You know, in Canada, for example, because I went to Canada one time. And they sell cigarettes there with the pictures of really horrendous sights that are caused by tobacco. Like black yeah, like lungs. black lungs or people's throat during an operation where it's all black inside mm. and they're trying to save this person's life or whatever. And they put those right on the packs of cigarettes. And in fact, there's a new law in Canada that has every single solitary individual cigarette will say, like, smoking, you know, kills, blah, 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 on the side of it. So as you're smoking it, there's a little warning on each individual cigarette. So I think it's a... Hoping to gross you out. Yeah, because (laughs) it is true that there are more smokers in China than there are in Canada, the United States, and elsewhere per capita. It's absolutely true. Mm. And especially in second-tier cities, not as much in places like Shanghai and Beijing. Uh. So I think China is thinking, okay, this is not good for individual people. This is not good for our community. Community. This is not good for families. This is not good for the national health care system. Mm-hmm. So they're starting to also, you know, really push people to get off of cigarettes. No one should be smoking. But certainly in China, if someone realized kids were smoking, they would take a dramatic action to stop that action from continuing. Right. And this reminds me of a um, video about like worst kinds of drugs. You've probably seen videos of streets in America where some, you know, people without homes, they live and some people have issues with drug addiction or alcohol. Oh, yes. Yeah, very serious. There are a few different drugs that are causing those behaviors, including veterinary medicines. Yeah, well, they were used for other purposes, like medical purposes, but it's too easy in a way to get them. Mm-hmm. And I think doctors in the U.S., a lot of them over mm-hmm. prescribe them. A lot of them are sold on the black market. It's a whole complicated issue. Mm -hmm. But this reminds me of a video then Mm -hmm. that I saw. I think it was last year. And the title was something like, I have to see it if it's alive. And if it's a dead, I have to see the shards, as in shards of glass. I'll explain. It refers to bottles of medicine used in surgery to numb people like anesthesia. So these are so... (laughs) Try anesthesiologist. Oh, no, please. (laughs) The guy who gives you the drugs. Right. So these are so heavily like guarded in mm-hmm. the hospitals. Yeah. There was one case, they made a video of like a nurse broke one of these bottles during, you know, while preparing for the surgery. And the whole team was on the floor like, looking for every shard of glass for this bottle. And they have this like rule. Why? As I mentioned, like if the bottle is quote unquote alive, we'll have to see the bottle. Everything has to be on record. And if the bottle is dead, we'll see every piece of shard. Wow. And there's in this video, the doctor was like, maybe the nurse, wow. picking with the tweezer, picking shards of glass from the garbage can. And the nurse was like, if we lose one bottle, like the directors and everybody would be crawling on the floor looking for it. Wow. And it was, I mean, it's like drugs used for, well, giving, I guess, putting numbing people, right? So they don't feel pain. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he has, uh, he needs a special... End-of-life care, cancer, yeah. So they're something very like serious, that. yeah. Right, but yeah. Any, like all medicine in this category are heavily guarded. They're in like where you put money, like save, save boxes, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, locked and watched for you know, 24-7, like 24 hours a day, it's watched. Mm-hmm. And you need like a special kind of red 
uh, ink prescription to get this type of medicine. And you need like double signatures, like from more than one doctor. And the nurses were like, even if I got lost, Hmm. These bottles can't get lost. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. how heavily guarded they are here in China. And of course, you may, I guess you can trace it back to Chinese mm -hmm. history, right? We've had the Opium War. And the scar of that and the effects of that on the, on the individuals, on the nation, will last probably forever for the Chinese people. You know, I won't go into the history of it, but we know the damage of having drug problems in this country. And we're never, ever going to, you know, let that happen again. Eat away people's spirits and, you know, their bodies too. Mm -hmm. Sorry, kind of got a little too into it. Yeah, no, that's okay. I'm glad you got passionate about the topic. I want to bring it back a little bit. I do agree with you. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a specialist in addiction, so I don't really know. But it does make sense to me as a human being that people need to have fallbacks, family, people need to feel cared for and loved and taken care of. I know, but I do feel that that doesn't, for me, fully explain. I mean, I don't think we're going to come to the solution today either. But I do know that people sometimes lose their families to alcohol. So they have kids and a wife or a husband, and then they become raging alcoholics and lose their family, lose their home. And then my point is, American society, my culture, where I'm from, we are looking for every kind of <clears throat> tiny advantage that we can to overcome this this massive mm. crisis, the plague of the 21st century, which is drugs. I mean, whether it be prescription or uh, illicit. So I'm going back to this research by PLOS One. <laughs> yeah. This is a different article quoting the same research. It's from the Washington Post, April 26th, 2023. And it says, and I think this is interesting, people who exercised as part of their addiction treatment programs were substantially more likely to reduce their substance use than those who didn't. So we Americans, obviously, we need to exercise more because we're most out of shape populations in the world. We're in the top five all the time, every time there's a different study done. But if we can incorporate exercises as one technique, as one new strategy, because it's, it's very cheap to go for a walk in the park, right? It's a very cheap way to add slight more advantage over the drug. So you have some kid who's 20 years old trying to overcome an addiction to say, I don't know, let's just say it's alcohol. And then that you say, hey, if you go for a walk in the park every day for 30 minutes, you might be less susceptible to going and uh, returning to the bottle. That is a... It's like, I was fine until I got married yeah, and met and let's my say, wife. Let's say, <laughs> right, and let's say this 20-year-old doesn't have a mother or a father who love them and care for them. Then this strategy of going for a walk in the park every day might be something that really helps this young person overcome this challenging part of their life and make something more out of their life. Maybe they return to school or maybe they get a better job and then they create a better life and they contribute to all of society. If the original research from the government website is correct and there are one in five people, slightly more than one in five people in America have some kind of addiction problem, then if we can just get them all walking in the park, maybe that is going to change that outcome. As a society, as a civilization, we're looking for solutions. You know, sometimes you're addicted to a drug, they give you different drugs. Well, if you could just go for a walk in the park, that costs nothing. I am still having trouble with that number. One out of, I have like 21.9% of the population. This is from SAMHSA.gov. Uh, so it's an official release, like official publication. Yeah. And these are young people, the most productive part of the population. It's from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration. Very big chain of words. And this is, the data is from 2021. That's correct. And things got worse hmm. in the years that followed, right? Last mm -hmm. year and this year yeah. because of uh, the pandemic. Hmm. And I think there was also a rise in depression hmm. or people searching for psychological treatment here in China Frazzled. during the pandemic because people yeah. were so, yeah. I guess, enclosed, right, inside and certain activities were limited. Cut off from their friends. Yeah, things like that. So that definitely takes a bit of adjustment. Mm. So the problem might be even worse in, you know, now in 2023. But I keep thinking of one thing, Jason, you know, scientists mm -hmm. and people have with the goodness in their hearts can be thinking about a lot of the solutions to these problems. Mm -hmm. But what about the power of the pharmaceutical industry? 
Mm-hmm. The power we have, you know, doing shows like this or advocating exercise or from the scientists and researchers, is nothing compared to the power that these pharmaceutical companies have. Mm-hmm. Right? They would have the power to lobby politicians to make certain mm-hmm. drugs legal mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. they are probably not legal in most other countries. Mm-hmm. Right? Like mm-hmm. I don't know. Like marijuana is legal in a few countries, I believe. But it's certainly not here. And I remember one time, this was another video, like someone was very proud of the flowers in their backyard. And so like she took a photo of it and shared it on her circle of friends. And it happened so that there were flowers of um, the opium plant. They probably, I think the lady didn't even know what they were. Or maybe she did. We don't know. But there were like just two or three. Yeah. And then her circle of friends, the people who knew her, you know, recognized it and then they were reported to the police because it's just not wow. legal for private people to grow any such forms of drugs. Right. Yeah. The country has suffered too much from things like that. So they were, you know, they were simply taken away. I don't think they were punished or anything, but this can't not allow. It wasn't like innocent act, Good. but <laughs> yeah. it just goes to show that it's strictly forbidden. But is, like, say, in another society where mm. marijuana or other forms of drugs are considered as means of making a profit. That's a whole new story because it can become an industry. Mm-hmm. It can become a huge industry. And I think by now, mm-hmm. maybe in the States, things have went past just marijuana, even like other drugs that might be strictly prohibited. Oh, yeah. listening to The Bridge. At the federal level, all of the drugs you're still talking about are illegal in the United States. And it's on state Mm -hmm. and town levels where they're choosing to defy federal law. So what that means is, say, let's just say hypothetically you're in one of these states where some of these drugs are legal. The state police may not arrest you, but the FBI can still arrest any of these people using these drugs at any time. They still have the legal authority to prosecute anyone who's using these drugs because I know the United States is very complicated, but but at the federal level, they're still illegal. Mm, Okay, well, I guess that would help some people. I mean, I've heard parts of debates when people are talking about the good sides of having these drugs legalized and the bad sides. Right. But I guess for normal people like me in China, we're not even all that interested in such discussions. We just want our kids to live in a really clean environment where they don't have to battle with uh, such, you know, enticements in a way. Well, I kind of don't want to have the debate about whether or not drugs should be legal. I think that's way beyond the scope of our show. Complicated. Yeah. I, I, right. yeah but I do want to talk about the possible because I don't want to look at this only as a problem of illicit drugs. Because I think probably tobacco and alcohol take as many lives. Mm. I mean, just think about drunk driving. So, okay, maybe the the alcoholic person doesn't kill themselves. Maybe they kill someone else. Oh, gosh, yeah. So, like, these and tobacco almost always was going to lead to a negative outcome. That you, Everyone knows some 90-year-old who has smoked their whole life, but that's not normal. They are a statistical outlier, and pointing them out does not make the case. Right. That tobacco is good for you. Most people are going to get like emphysema Mm -hmm. or cancer or throat cancer or mouth cancer or some kind of terrible outcome that's going to devastate their life and the life of their family and possibly their community. So, I mean, I think just dealing with how do we get Mm -hmm. from people who are having difficulty letting go of some kinds of substances to where they're able to take back control of their life and be basically mm. behind the steering wheel of their life. I was hoping that maybe exercise is that, because I'm considering that for my own problem of overeating. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'd, so far, it doesn't seem to be helping. I did give it a try. I'm going to try some more. But I think it's also an issue of time. I don't have a lot of time. When I'm not making like this show, I'm making designs for this show, or I'm making a, a video, or I'm like writing on a book. Mm-hmm. I wish I had more mm. time to just walk around in the park. But it's very challenging to squeeze that time out of my schedule. I think you can find 20 minutes in a day, Mm. right? Wouldn't you agree? If you really wanted to do this, 20 minutes, if you do it every day consistently, Mm -hmm. that will be a very powerful force. Well, here's the problem, baby. I'm going to give you my problem. I'm going to have you maybe come try to help me with the solution. If I try to go to walk before work, I feel like I'm going to stink when I get to work. 
And if I try to go to work after work, I'm usually so exhausted from being at work for like, I don't know, 10 or 11 hours because I usually come in early and stuff. Mm. So like, I'm usually too tired to like, I'm mm. like, oh, I just want to go home. So do you have a solution for me? You know, the park near where you work? Yeah, yeah, If yeah. you go there like around, let's say 6 p.m., Mm-hmm. You know, after work time or after dinner time, a little bit later than that, it's filled with people taking that, was it a one kilometer or five kilometer track inside the park? Yeah, there's a track inside. I yeah, know. It's yeah, it's a very softer. good place for uh, for exercise. And I think mm-hmm. the best time is actually after dinner. You know, probably you go for, mm-hmm. and it's nice and cool, you go for half an hour, like power walk and try not to eat afterwards. And then, you know, it's time for bed. I think that if you really want to see effects, I think that's one way. Pretty much at the end of the workday, yeah. I'm just so tired at that time because I've been working all day. Uh-huh. I've been keeping thinking I'm going to do it in the morning, going to do it in the morning. But I, if I get up earlier, I just go to work earlier. So then I'm trapped in this. And I don't want to stink. I don't want to be that guy who's like, why is Jason smell? <laughs> like, yeah, when that you have to like, you know, go for a shower. It just takes too much time. But if you can do it like after work or after dinner, like say 20 minutes after dinner is a really good time well, I, for yeah. some walking. I yeah. have the study here. So this is from journals.plos.org. It was published on April 26, 2023, which is amazing. So I guess Washington Post article came out the same day. Mm. Wow. Good job, Washington Post, for immediately reading this and then publishing an article the same day. Mm. Characteristics and impact of physical activity interventions during substance use disorder treatment, excluding tobacco. Oh, so it doesn't affect. Oh, so it doesn't relate to tobacco. A systematic review. You see people walking and smoking at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can't smoke very effectively if you're power, if you're at the gym. (laughs) So, yeah, it probably does have some help there, especially for chain smokers. Mm. Okay, so, yeah, go to the gym. Someone's going to be like, put that cigarette out, sir Mm. or ma'am. So the abstract basically includes a lot of the data. And it's one of those studies that is called a longitudinal study. So a longitudinal study means they research other people's research. So a total of 43 articles, including within those articles of other people's research, 3,135 participants were identified and randomized control of 81%. So basically they found that people, in fact, yes, if they exercise, they are going to return to substance use disorder or SUD less often. So if you or someone you know is suffering from addiction, go for a walk in the park. I really have to think. I honestly don't know anyone like in my circle of life who has <laughs> well, what you can call an addiction to certain things. Like, Well, when I'm talking to the American listeners, I'm pretty sure that they and do. And also, I want to, when it comes to exercise, you know how, according to Chinese medicine, mm-hmm. like Chinese doctors, Chinese medicine doctors, they don't actually recommend like vigorous exercises. Oh, yeah? Wow. You know, like running marathons and things like that. We encourage more like, gentle exercises like qigong. It's what's qigong? Like qigong. It's you know how people in the some people you see people in the park wearing oh, like, like white silk. Oh, yeah, things like that. Uh-huh. And there's especially this form. Uh, your wife must know it. It's called ba duan jin. Mm-hmm. Ba duan jin is uh, I think the whole thing takes about what like ten minutes, and there's like soft music that goes with it. You can search online. There are loads of videos that show you how to do it. Hmm. They call it. Some kind of qigong, but it, I think of it more as just a mild form of exercise. Mm-hmm. It's a traditional exercise that basically combines breathing, body movement, meditation, and awareness. Mm-hmm. And there's like no sudden movements. Everything just flows in a way. Mm-hmm. But it's got like internal and external way of helping your body to find like better balance. If you can just like do that every day, it will also help you. I don't know if this is a traditional Chinese medicine or just Chinese culture, but Chinese people do exercise quite a bit. You always see if you go to a park, mm. the old lady walking backwards and waving her arms. And these are not. <laughs> so for Americans, I know this sounds really weird. If you've never. They're not crazy. If, if you've never been to China. In your, you know, from the America, you will not recognize what they're doing. Right. So these ladies, they will walk and backwards, and they will raise their arms up and down, uh-huh. just move them in small circles as they're walking slowly backwards or forwards. And men do this too. It's more lady thing mm-hmm. I have found. But there's also damas. They're dancing, and then they have the they get mm-hmm. a dragon ribbon. It's like a long ribbon on a stick. Right, right. And right. sometimes it's decorated mm-hmm. like a dragon, sometimes not. And they wave it around in swirls. It's like an Olympic thing, I think. But they use it with dragon symbols. 
and mm. they wave these around in the park. And then you have the usually men with the long metal whips mm. whipping those spinning tops. Oh, gosh, go, I know. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> And there are people who, like, kind of uh, knock their bodies on trees. What? <laughs> like, there are all kinds of weird things. They You see them, like, maybe they stand in front of a tree with their backs to the tree, and then huh. they, they fall back onto the tree, like, repeatedly. Hmm. Kind of just, it's another, I think of it as another form of massage, hmm. just in a very active <laughs> way. Like, you're falling into the tree. But the idea is that people find, you know, way different it's ways. table tennis. Yeah, table tennis, different ways of exercise. But they also have every single community or even sometimes just tuck between communities. The Chinese cities have embedded these little gyms, free gyms, where you use your own weight to pick yourself up by pulling bars. And they have like, it's like a kid's jungle gym before adults. All kinds of ugly And so you can just spin objects. Yeah, (laughs) I think they're so ugly. Yeah, but people use it. Buy at the right time. You can't even get on one of these things. Every community has them. And they're usually for kids and for Mm -hmm. mostly kids and retired like ladies and gentlemen, right, Mm. for mild exercises. Mm. But also you see that another aspect of these activities is not just about exercise. It's about human connections too, Mm -hmm. right? With these dance on the squares, Mm -hmm. you know, they find a piece of flat Mm -hmm. land uh, somewhere, you know, maybe in front of the mall or some other place. They get together and dance together. You don't mm. really have to talk to people. Like, it could be total strangers. You can join in, right? If you pass by, mm. you can join in. But there is... I've, I have. They usually yeah, are right? very inviting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. And it's a way... Unless of... they're all wearing the same matching outfit, then... <laughs> they're they, like... I, yeah. they, they're like, no. <laughs> yeah, then they're You're they not are one of us. <laughs> a, a group. But I think they'll still be happy if, you know, you find them, their activity to be amusing and you want to join in. But mm. the point is, they have mm. something positive to do and they do it in a group. And I think in American culture where so much stress is put on individualism, you know, you live your life, you need to stand out as someone who is special. Mm-hmm. A lot more emphasis is put on what, like community here in China, right? Human connection, mm-hmm. staying mm-hmm. connected because it's so important for mental health. I agree and I don't agree. I think what has happened in the United States is all of these activities mm. that should just be normal for you to just go like jump in mm-hmm. have become monetized. What do you mean? Well, if you want to do Pilates, you go pay for a Pilates class and you go to a studio. You want to dance? Great. Uh. You go to a dance class and you pay for a class or you go pay f- to get into a club. Or you want to go jogging, you join a jogging club and you pay a fee to go jogging with people. You want to go hiking, there's a hiking... Jogging club? Oh, yeah, yeah. They have big... They have all kinds. So some people do go jogging in America, you know, in the morning. But these big activities, Mm. if you were to just be in a U.S. public park and 50 people started dancing with a stereo there, I'm guessing that... The police will come. Yeah, the police will come and say, (laughs) do you have a permit... And like they will stop you from being such a large group. Whereas in China, you can just go to a public park and just start dancing with a bunch of people. The police officer will join in. Maybe. (laughs) It makes sense because I think in from my personal experience in the U.S., there's a higher threshold for doing a lot of things. Like if you want to go jogging, you need to buy a set of clothing just for jogging. Mm. And then you have to have like proper shoes. And some people, they have other fancy things like a, a band around their hair. And then a thing for your iPhone. Like, I would look silly if I just go jogging with what I'm wearing right now. But in China, like, a lot of people don't care. You want to go jogging? You can go jog in your, like, leather shoes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, of course, nowadays, you, most people, they have their outfit, too. But it's not, like, you know, absolutely necessary. And also, like, when you see people cycling in the U.S., you need, like, a certain... There's a whole set of things you need to buy. You know what I mean? Like certain types of well, shoes. I, they do that in China. Totally. Come on. I mean, I don't know. About, I don't mm-hmm. know about second tier cities, but here in downtown Beijing, right? They got those guys who've got the you know tights uh, on for and like the special butt pants that have got the extra cushion in it, and they got the sleek helmets and like the mirror on their helmet, and they're like the cool bike gloves, and uh, they got the skinny bike, and you know, people with normal yeah. pay, let's say, then there are people wear everything. What old ladies with swords? Have you seen? Have you seen this? Okay, so in China. They tell, I mean, I agree with you. I'm not trying to be, I just want to be, uh, I want to point out yeah. some things. I, in the park that we're talking mm. about, it's called the International Sculpture Park. Sculpture mm. park. There are these old ladies that have swords. There's a special place they go that's like uh, behind <laughs> a concrete wall. Right. I heard the music, so I went to see what was this about. Inside, sometimes of the day, there's 20 retired ladies. With swinging swords, swords around. I mean, full on like 
do not mess with these ladies' sword swords. Mm. And they're like listening to music and they're all moving in formation mm-hmm. like, you know, don't mess with but, grandma. See, <laughs> like, but, but they're usually in like dance movements, not really, you know, like martial art kind of stuff. Yeah. But the thing is, like, how did these ladies I, come I together, right? How did the ladies and men come together yeah. for dance on the square? These are not really formally grouped or regulated. I don't think you need a permit, right? As long as people don't chase you away mm-hmm. because you're being noisy, I think you can stay there. So it's easy to join in. Yes and no. There are some cities, like I heard, is, I think it's Hangzhou, where they have to do it be, under a certain decibel of volume. It has to be within certain hours and in certain locations because uh, right, right, some right. of the neighbors are trying to sleep. Right, yeah. Because people complain. Yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's a social connection part to all this exercise. People are not exercising alone. Maybe pay more attention to this part of our lives. Are you connected? Mm -hmm. You know, or are Mm -hmm. you all alone? Because it's a deeper psychological issue, right? If you feel Mm -hmm. lonely, you might not be crying or depressed, but it could lead to other things. And I know that being with other humans is not always pleasant, right? But that's part of growing up. You sort through relationships. You get to know how to deal with different people. It's very strange that Bebe is the one making the argument that you should be around people more. <laughs> well, I guess. I, mean, I see my neighbors. I see my family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. I want to back up this study by PLOS 1, and I want to quote a, an earlier study, five years earlier, Harvard's 2018 study. The uh, article that Harvard published is Can Exercise Help Conquer Addiction? December 26, 2018, written by medical doctor Clark Twark, T-W-A-R-K. So they say what you say, mm. and this is a quote from the first paragraph. I frequently discuss mutual help groups such as Alcoholics Anonymous and Smart Recovery with patients. Mm -hmm. I use motivational interviewing techniques to help enhance motivation and guide patients towards their recovery goals. So this person, Claire Twark, I guess is a lady, Claire, she reached out to other people, get together with those people, discuss maybe your problems specifically with that group of people. I was thinking, I was just talking with a lot of my book club friends yesterday online, and the topics was about Mm -hmm. giving birth and, you know, how to take care of babies. And we started talking about the first few months we lived through as a new mother and how tough it was and how easy it was to become depressed because of the just the, the total disruption of your normal pattern of life. And also, of course, like hormones and other stuff. And some were saying how, you know, I read mm. all kinds of books before I gave birth, but they didn't really help. And all of us discover that the most helpful thing, one of the most helpful thing is to have a group of friends who are going through the same thing. So for me, I had at least two or three friends mm. who gave birth around within like six months or three to six months. So we had people to reach to. You know, we when we found some problem with our baby, you know, we, we talked to each other. And then we're like, okay, so mine's not dying. It's okay. <laughs> you know, they've been through the same thing. I found that the most helpful part of those um, experience because you're not going to go to the doctor for every little abnormality that you observe, right? Because sometimes you can't even tell whether or not that's normal or not. But it's so much easier to just reach out to friends. And my cousin, when she gave birth, Mm -hmm. you know how they have to go to checkups, right? Many times Mm -hmm. during pregnancy. And they had this group of new mothers from the hospital. So they all went to the same hospital, like same part of the clinic for their health checkups. And they were, for some of them, they were delivering within months of each other. They had this WeChat group where they were going to be new mothers together. They didn't really know each other that well, but they were going through a very, you know, the same period, same stage of their lives. And they were so helpful when anyone had a question, they just, you know, pop it in the WeChat group and, um, and you're sure to find answers. So even though it's not something that's, you know, official or, you know, that has a permit, but I found it to be the most helpful part for those uh, first few months. Yeah, I'm also in a lot of WeChat groups for various kinds of different things that I'm into. I have probably too many. I have about 20 WeChat oh groups my gosh. I'm a part of. <laughs> that's that why are you're like busy, about Jason. topical. 
No, oh. I, I put I mute them all and read them when I have time. Mm. But I wanted to come back to addiction again. And sure. this is again from the Harvard article, and it talks about forging positive connections with others in recovery. So it's it also validates everything Bebe is saying. Uh, so Boston Bulldogs Running Club is one of those kinds of groups that you can join mm. or the Phoenix or a ton of different kinds of physical activity groups. But I really want to point this out because it, it says the exact same thing as the article uh, from PLOS 1. Is it best to combine exercise with addiction treatments? And according to Dr. Claire Twark, medication-assisted treatment at least doubles the rate of opioid abstinence, and studies show greater than 50% uh, chance of relapsing in one month in treatment. So actually, what this is trying to say here is that exercise helps a lot. If you can increase your exercise, Mm -hmm. you're going to need medication less and you're much less likely to relapse. And what this one is talking specifically about opioid, which is, you know, the same class that heroin is in, one of the greatest, most addictive substances there is out there. So go walking in the park once again. And again, I'm not trying to take away from Bebe's argument. I agree. And I think the research that at least as far as I can understand it here at both Harvard and PLOS One supports the idea of reaching out to groups and to other people and to connection as well. So I think basically what we have seen based on our, you know, non-professional perspectives on all of this material is one, exercising does help. And two, having connection with other people during that process can also be very helpful. And also when someone has an addiction problem, which I consider to be a serious problem, you know, in anyone's life, these are not things that you can do by yourself, you know, alone. If you are in some kind of serious trouble, I think staying all alone might not help. So maybe this is time to reach out, even if you are a hermit like me, right, who don't socialize a whole lot. Well, apparently not. You just said your book club and then you're talking to your neighbors. I'm getting a whole different perspective on Bebe today. Well, that's true. You know, I have a child. I quote unquote, I walk her <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, every day and we talk with different other moms in the park. Mm. I'm just saying that sometimes we have to admit that we need to reach out to others for help. Mm. It's not mm-hmm. a shame at all. Right. And it's some things are just so much easier. To be honest, if someone in my neighborhood has a program that, say, they run for half an hour, like 630 every day, wow, maybe 730 at night, I will consider joining. Really? You know, I will consider joining because, yeah, if someone can consistently do that, you know, take the lead. If there is someone in my neighborhood who can start a like a qigong or like a martial art class, what do they call it? Like tai chi, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're different. I think you're saying qi- is a bit more accurate, closer represent because Tai Chi involves many, 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 many different kinds of movements. Well, the easier ones, like the more yeah. fluid and nothing too hard. I think that that might be Qigong. If yeah. someone can start a class, like Tai Chi class in my neighborhood, I will go. Like I'll pay to go. Really? Yeah. Pay I to go. I will pay to go for lessons. The park that we're talking about, you just show up and the old people are doing it. If you just start copying them, they're cool. Yeah, but then I don't have one near where I live. My problem is about getting out of the uh, compound. <laughs> Well, I've never even been anywhere that didn't have it. I used to live, oh, wait, here, actually. I lived two blocks from where I'm living now, and I used to take out my long lens camera from the 20th floor, uh, and below, there were, like, every morning. And spying on their people? Yeah, I was spy, totally spying on, there was about 50 oh elderly, gosh. primarily elderly people who would do Qigong mm. downstairs every single morning. Uh. And a few times I took video of them and pictures of them and posted on blogs and stuff saying, look at Chinese people really do Tai Chi. <laughs> like, I need a group yeah. like that, like near where I live, because I live too far away from all the mm. activities. But if I had that, I would love to join. Mm. Um, and for people who don't mm. like to socialize, don't think that you need to talk to others. You can just join, right? If they you know, need a certain outfit yeah. or you maybe pay like a dollar or two, it's okay. And you can just go and a certain time you don't really have to talk to other people but just being around well, other people only like 20 or 30 oh uh, yeah if you go on to, like if you're in china and if you want to get the cheapest gong fu shan they have on jd Jason you can knows. get them for like 20 or 30 <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah i've got one that costs 800 rmb and i've got three that cost like well, 30 rmb and they're no, probably all the, the same. 800 it's more like it's actual silk and the other ones are made from like i don't know some other not so natural form polyester yeah probably you'll light up they they feel the same they look the (laughs) same you know like i can't tell the difference yeah so i I guess my message is uh reach out for help yeah and uh you don't have to be 
like really good friends with other people. You don't have to be buddies with other people, but you can find people who are going through the same thing, right? You know, like becoming a new mother and not knowing how to take care of a baby. Get a, you know, get into a group and... um Well, you know what? I was thinking about what you just stay said. connected. And I was actually mm-hmm. just watching a movie. It's not relevant, so I'm not going to say the name of the movie. But, you know, in America, one thing you can do that doesn't re- usually involve any kind of need for a friendship is kind of the same as jumping in a Dhamma group is usually there's just guys playing basketball. Mm. So if you're just yeah, yeah. want to play mm. basketball, you can usually like, can I get in on the next game? The answer is usually yes. That's what we have in America. It's like you guys have parks with people doing Tai Chi. And I guess I, I just learned today hitting themselves with trees. But in America, mm-hmm. we've got basketball. But then, so that's something you could probably get, get into. It has a higher threshold to join. You need to know how to play. But here with like these uh, dances on the square and also park exercise groups, you don't need to know how to do mm-hmm. anything. You, you can move. You can join. If you can't move, you can watch from your wheelchair. Like there are, mm. <laughs> there are people like that, you know, in the park. Usually it's the ladies, like the older ladies who are like dancing and doing exercise. Mm. And their husband's like sitting in wheelchairs, <laughs> like watching from the side. You know what I saw the other day? I saw this last week. I was in, in there was an old man walking really slowly with his walker. And next to him mm. was his wife in a wheelchair. And she wasn't taking the day off. Huh. She was going backwards in her wheelchair, kicking as hard as she could to keep up with him. And I was like, that's really, yeah, she was, she could move her knees enough to push herself in her wheelchair backwards in her wheelchair next to him while he's using his walker. And I thought, well, they're both doing what they can do, but they're doing it together. How cute. Never, never give up, right? (laughs) And also the thing, the thing about walking backwards, I have to explain a little. Oh, sure, sure, sure. It was actually. This will have to be the end of the show, though. It was actually popular for a little while because when you walk backwards, you exercise, you move some of the muscles that you don't normally use, or you Mm. engage your muscles in a way that they're not Mm. normally engaged in. Mm. And so that's, you know, something refreshing for your body to do. Just don't walk into cars, Mm. please. (laughs) Yeah, better to do it in a park than on the street. (laughs) Right, right. I've tried this, actually. You have to stay very focused. Yeah, you have to be present, which is also a very good form of meditation. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you, guys. that's it. Thank you, baby. And thank you, listeners, for listening to the show. If you like the show and you want to share your thoughts, please email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe. Woohoo! All right. Bye, Jason. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Oh, yeah.